Hey guys, I'm going to start answering all your marketing questions and concerns on here. I'm going to give you quick bite-sized actionable marketing strategies and tactics that will help you attract new patients immediately and grow your practice. Every Monday, a short episode will come out and each month we will be covering a topic. Topics like ground marketing, Google AdWords, internal marketing, reputation management, and more. And I will have experts, agencies, and professionals give us step-by-step instructions you can easily implement. What you're listening to will be actionable steps you can do today. No strings attached. And then you will see the results. So without further delay, let's get into our Monday morning marketing episode. Hey, Travis. So talk to us about insurance. Tell me one or a couple methods or suggestions that will help with maneuvering and guide us through the insurance game. All right, Michael. Sounds good. Um, Well, I mean, first of all, we got to think about what insurance is there to begin with. Why why do patients have it? Why do we deal with it? Why do we put up with it? Um, You know, it's there to help with payment. I mean, and that seems like a silly thing to talk about. But it's because so often we use insurance as a crutch Mm -hmm. to end up with patients avoiding treatment. Fluoride's a good example. If you believe in fluoride, then fluoride's super easy to do. It's cheap. You know, it's something that's highly effective, or at least that's what a lot of dentists believe. But insurance doesn't cover it for adults. So if you tell a patient it's not covered, what you've essentially told the patient indirectly is it's not important. I mean, we say one thing, but they interpret it another way. So instead of saying that, you can just easily tell the patient, hey, after insurance, your portion is X. Well, X can happen to be 100% of the fee, doesn't matter, but you don't have to say non-covered because that's purely just a way to get patients not to do something. I mean, it's crazy how much the wording of what we do and say makes a massive difference. Gotcha. So there's a lot of headache when it comes to insurance, right? Whether it's like, are we getting the best claims? Are we getting... Did I enroll in a right insurance? I'm afraid to drop one. Even though I have like a couple of people still on it, they're good patients. How do we go about doing all that? So, I mean, dropping is a whole different topic. Um, So, I mean, yes, if you can drop it, great. The big thing is drop it for the right reason. Meaning typically you're booked out for months. You can't get any other patients in. You don't want to hire an associate. um, And you potentially want to shrink the practice some, charge more and see less people. Great. That's an option. You know, if you've got holes in your schedule, dropping insurance is usually the last thing to do because it's going to end up hurting a lot more. I mean, people don't think about their fixed cost as much as we should. You know, it's not just that everything we do has, you know, X cost. It's that we're going to pay rent and payroll and everything else, regardless how much dentistry we do. So first goal is always get a busy schedule. Second goal is get more money per what you do. But when it comes to the management side of insurance, it's... I mean, another one that comes up a lot is, what do you do with maximums? I mean, a lot of times offices will allow or encourage patients to only do their maximum and then wait till the next year for treatment. Well, okay, if you're in December, not a big deal. You're waiting a month. But now here at the beginning of the year, you know, if you tell a patient, hey, you've got $5,000 worth of work to do, insurance covers 1500 so let's spread it out three years. Well, that's insane. Mm-hmm. Plus the fact that dentistry just gets worse and usually has an exponential higher cost when it gets worse. So instead, one of the options is think about what is going to get covered next year if you really want to do this and then do everything else this year and utilize two years of benefits, but not spread it out three, four years. And is that pretty common when they do that? They spread it out? Like oh, that? it happens all the time. I mean, every office. It's, 
the number one reason insurance companies don't raise maximums, by the way, because what will happen is an office will have a patient that reaches near their max, but has another crown to do, but only has, say, $50 left on their maximum. Well, they're going to tell the patient, let's wait till next year. Instead of getting $50, you get $500. Well, the problem is now they never hit maximum. And insurance has the statistics that say four to five percent of patients ever hit their maximum every year. So they can't even sell to employers a higher maximum that comes with a higher frequency because the employer's first question is going to be, well, how many of my employees are going to get a benefit if we raise the maximum? And if insurance says four percent, employer is going to sit there and go, you're crazy. Why would I ever pay more for that? Mm-hmm. So we're part of the original problem. In reality, I would say if we actually treated patients the way we needed and didn't push or allow them, you know, to put off treatment just because of max, we'd probably have more than like 20% of patients that ended up hitting maximums. It's that bad of an issue. So that's a goal then, right? If we obviously look at the, the patient, they need a lot of work done. Instead of trying to spread it out, we're just kind of looking and taking care of the patient as quickly as possible, get their, their stuff done. And if you How- want to use next year's benefits, just make sure you only focus and leave next year what next year will pay for and do everything else this year. And that's the way to tell the patient, hey, this is the best way to get your benefits versus, well, here's what you can do this year and let's stop. It's it's crazy. How do you word that? How do you tell the patient that? Be like, hey, like, I know you got a lot of stuff that needs to be done. I know before in the treatment, I said, hey, like on your free consultation or whatever, it's urgent. But now we're going to have to, how do you word that? Well, you focus on the urgency first and try to get them to do everything. But if you have that patience that's like, you know, I'm only going to do maximum or anything else, say, hey, great. You know, dentistry does get exponentially worse and we want to avoid you having pain or emergency situations that happen all the time. So how about this? And I, I hear that your goal is to utilize the most maximum and try to get two years benefits out of it. Awesome. Let's figure out what insurance is going to cover next year and utilize your maximum till that. And then we'll get everything else done this year. That way you get two years worth of benefits into your plan. And they're normally always okay with that. Yeah. Because you've given them a good reason to do it. The sad part is a lot of times, and I was guilty of this for years, is I would just let the patient have the out and go, okay, we'll do the one crown this year and we'll hold off on the other three. I'm like, but then over the years, patients end up with root canals or losing teeth or anything else. I mean, things get worse. And now the patient's far worse and far more out of pocket and just doesn't work for them. And we're delaying stuff. So, I mean, it's just better for everybody just to get it done now or soon. Versus, you know, delay it for years just because of insurance. Gotcha. Okay, that's good, man. That's good. I like that a lot. So then we want to get as much of it, keep the urgency still there, get as much Mm -hmm. of it as we can right now, just for the patient, not just like in just in general, we're just saying we want as much money as we can right now, but it's more for the patient's urgency uh, to take care of them. Dentistry is such a preventive profession. Almost everything we do is either to stop a problem from ever occurring or to make sure it doesn't get exponentially worse. But I mean, all dentists can see patients that they see all the time where a filling becomes a crown and a crown becomes a root canal, a root canal becomes an extraction. Well, each of those ends up with higher and higher costs. So if we can fix things early, it saves money. It makes the patients healthier. We have to do less work. I mean, it's a positive for everyone. And yes, technically it means we get more money now, but sort of if you look at it, it means we get less money over time, which is positive for the patient but also positive for our schedule because we can get all the stuff done now and we can see another patient to get the other work done. We don't have to, you know, just go with patients ending up paying us more because we delayed it 
because there's always more patients. I mean, you're the guy who's always about find more patients, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever think, Travis, there's also like a sense of when you're looking at that, where you're like, you know what, we'll hold off right now. We'll do what we can. Like you said, right? Not max it out. And then no next year and then the next year, there's almost like a sense of like, we've got something coming along, right? We got this patient still with us, going to come next year, you know what I mean? And next year. So it's good. You think there's a, a belief in that? Unconsciously, yeah. I doubt a lot of people consciously think that way, but unconscious mind, absolutely. I mean, there's there's some consistency in that. But you got to think about it from the patient's point of view, too. The easiest way to make somebody not like us, anybody, is to have them owe you money. Well, if you're constantly having to have more work done when they come to the office, this is actually how patients end up not liking dentists, not trusting dentists, have anxiety or fear about dentistry, because every time they come in, it's always something else. Well, it's always something else because we haven't fixed the original problem to begin with. Mm -hmm. So if we fix it all now, then they can go years without having other dental work and they can see our hygienists who are usually nicer people and friendlier than most of us are anyway, um, and not have all the injections and all the no fun stuff. Just get all done now. And then they're healthier. They're happier. They're the ones who are going to tell other patients about you. You know, the patient who's having to constantly get more work done, what's the chance that they have fallen in love with you because they're always having to see you? Probably a lot less. Yeah. No, that's true. Okay. I like that. So max it out, right? As much as we can, as far as when it comes to, and then worry about that the next just get the work done, basically, right? Get as much of the work done as you possibly can. Keep that sense of urgency. Where else do you feel like you see people having a major hiccup or misconception about insurance when it comes to the team? Um, downgrades are a big one. You know, a lot of times insurance will downgrade composite fillings to amalgams or porcelain crowns to metal. Um, and a lot of times teams only charge and collect from the patient for the downgraded service, which is incorrect. You charge, you know, especially when you're in network, but the network knows this automatically. You charge for the service you provided. It does not matter if insurance downgrades. All a downgrade means is insurance is reimbursing less for that service. The patient's still responsible for the service that was provided. And this costs offices tens of thousands of dollars every year. I mean, I see it all the time when I walk into offices to try to clean up some stuff is, you know, they're just, they're charging the patient for the amalgam, yet they're doing the composite. And there's no reason to do that. And a lot of times it's misunderstanding of how your contracts work, not reading them or not correctly reading the EOBs. Because a lot of times they're confusing if you don't know what you're looking for. So downgrades are a big one too. That's interesting you say that. How can we correctly, if you're giving me instructions, this is how you got to read an EOB, right? Like how can we correctly read it? You correctly read it by, well, every EOB is different. That's the challenge with multiple companies is they all have different layouts um, and different charts and different terms and everything else. But in general, we all know our fee schedules. In network, you have a list they sent you from the insurance companies, the fee that you negotiated, the fee they gave you. That is the fee you collect for. You can half the times ignore the EOB, especially if it's confusing, and just look at your ledger and go, here's what we charged. There's an in-network fee. This is what we need to collect. Insurance paid X. Patient just pays network fee minus X. And that's it. It's just very basic algebra. A plus B mm. equals C. Yeah. Gotcha. So it's more the principle behind it, right? Not so much like getting down, reading the EOB, and then there's another one, and then you get kind of confused, and you're like, oh, this is a different format. Go back to the principles of your fees. Yes. And then just make your ledger look right. And if it doesn't look right, it's probably because you're either misreading the EOB, or in a lot of cases, the EOB is wrong. I mean, insurance companies aren't infallible. You know, I asked my team one day, you know, last month, it was like, 
how often do y'all see an EOB that comes in incorrectly? And my insurance coordinator just looked at me and laughed and she's like, um, more than once a day. It's like it was a stupid question because for her it is. It's like we see them all the time, literally. And so it's just, you got to realize, you know, there's a lot of things that the insurance companies are good at processing. I mean, that's the whole reason they function is they're good at processing large data. But when you process that much data, you're going to be incorrect occasionally too. Yeah. Do you ever feel like sometimes it's hard? I mean, we skip mistakes because we want to get it over with. Oh, absolutely. It's human nature. You can be rude about it and say it's human nature to be lazy. You can be nice about it and say it's human nature to find the most efficient path to get something done or the quickest way to get it done. Either way, it's the same thing is, you know, we're always looking for the next thing to do. And so if we can spend less time doing something or speed through it, that's a natural human, you know, viewpoint. That's what we naturally will go towards. And when it comes to things like financials and insurance, you got to slow down just slightly and be able to do it right. Because for one, if you screwed up to the patient side of things, you get a really ticked off person that you know owes money and they're mean and they get upset about it and everything else. Um, but if you miss it on the other side, then the office isn't collecting the money that it should collect. And therefore, the dentist is ending up doing a lot of work that they're not getting paid for or they're not getting paid as much as they should. And this is where, you know, you talk about dropping networks. But in most cases, offices can collect 20, 30, 40, 50% more doing the same exact dentistry, just understanding the insurance and collecting correctly. And that means no extra work, but just doing it right. Yeah. In your experience, Travis, like, I mean, you work with hundreds and hundreds of practices. Percentage-wise, how many are, when they first come to you, are doing it correctly, organized, where they understand it? Zero. <laughs> um, and I say that, I mean, it, it's a continuum, it's a range. Yeah. I mean, there's some people who are close, um, but they're still missing some key points. And then there's other people that are nowhere close. And those are the ones who usually come to me and like, we know we have no idea what we're doing, you know, help us. Versus, you know, the ones that come to us and go, you know, we think we're doing it all right, but we're not sure. Or, and I get some people that go, test me, I think I'm doing all right. And I'm like, okay, I'll take that test. And yeah. We can always find something. And it's only because there's so many crazy myths about insurance out there. You know, myths that are either perpetuated by the insurance companies or just perpetuated by the fact that things change. I mean, laws change, rules change, how insurances work changes over time. And so if you have this great employee who's been doing the same thing 20 years, more than likely she's wrong about a few things because she hasn't modified. Um, and that's why we constantly, as dentists go through continuing education because dentistry changes all the time. Well, the same thing on billing, billing changes all the time too. So we have to keep up with it, both to provide better estimates for our patients, but also to make sure the office is collecting the income it should. Yeah. Nice, Travis. Man, I appreciate your time. And if anyone has further questions, you can definitely find them on the Dental Marketer Society Facebook group. But where can they reach out to you directly? Um, easiest way to get a hold of me is dentalinsuranceguy.com. Um, it's a membership platform we've got. There's some free resources. But the biggest aspect of membership, because I answer these all the time, is there's a Q&A section. And so we do live Q&As once a month. Or you just send me a question that you've got any day and we'll get it answered for you correctly. That's in the, so really quick, mm -hmm. if you could, break it down to me. I know we're kind of over time, but like break it down to me. What's in the Dental Insurance Guy membership program? So it's super expensive. It's $30 a month. Um, but it, it's the Q and A's, it's CE courses, it's live sessions. Um, 
There's a really cool insurance calculator on there for people who have secondary insurance. It'll actually do all the work for you so you don't have incorrect write-offs. Um, it keeps track of all the state laws when it comes to non-covered services. It's got a lot of Q&As. There's just so much in there that people just need to unpack. And if they can get it, that's the kind of stuff that can save offices a ton of money or, if nothing else, increase their collections. Like I said, our average increase in collections on people who utilize the resources is over 30%. Same dentistry, same patient, same team, just doing things the right way. Yeah, awesome. So guys, that's going to be in the show notes below, the dental and dentalinsuranceguy.com. So go ahead and check it out. And Travis, thank you for being with me on this Monday morning marketing episode. Thank you, Michael. It was great speaking with you. Hey, thank you for listening to Travis. I feel like I can hear him speak on insurance uh, forever. And it feels like it goes deeper than insurance with him. So thank you for listening and thank you, Travis, for sharing. And I wanted to let you know that how we support the podcast is through sponsors. And in this episode, our sponsor is CareStack. Now, they're an all-in-one cloud-based practice management software. But listen to what Dr. Cunningham, who owns a pediatric practice, has to say about CareStack. She currently uses it and has been using it for years now. That was one of the first practices with the, with the software when I opened up four years ago. And so we've been growing. We've been growing together. Yeah. And it's been fantastic. Absolutely. Hands down. Still love CareStack. Guys, go check out CareStack for free. Schedule a free personalized demo. CareStack is giving all our listeners one month for free, and they will also give you 10% off your annual subscription plus 50% off your setup fee. And you can check out the deal by clicking the first link in the show notes below. And by the way, if I can just say, we work really hard to produce honest and helpful content all totally free. So if CareStack does end up being the right choice for you, we really appreciate you using the first link in the show notes below. That's how you can support our podcast. And it allows us to keep creating these types of helpful podcast episodes. If it turns out that CareStack isn't the right match for you, it's no problem at all. I just want to make sure that you get matched up with the right all-in-one cloud-based practice management software. So thank you guys so much for your support, and I'll talk to you in the next episode. 